mountainy, a mountainous, a mountainous area, mountainy, mountainous, (laughs) mountain eye. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report, episode 39. 39. True crime. Kind of rhymes. Nine crime. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for listening. I'm Margot. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. So we got another true crime for you. So it's going to be sad, probably, most likely. I don't really yeah. know a lot of crime that isn't sad. Most most true crime is pretty sad. Right. So, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies in advance if you were expecting something else. but I, Yeah. I mean, we have other episodes you could listen to, but... Um, those are pretty sad. Too. <laughs> Those are also pretty sad. <laughs> sad boy. Sad little boy. <laughs> um, so I will light the candle. Um, do you want to tell me about your week? Unless you feel confident in your candle lighting abilities. No. no. You, can, <laughs> you can go for it this time. I trust you. I wasted like three matches last It's okay. Time. It's okay. So. This oh. one is blue. This is not a gender reveal. I am not pregnant. <laughs> I'm never doing a gender reveal if I ever have children. Nice. What has kept me up this week? Um, well, it was my birthday. Yes, it was. And now I'm officially in my late 20s. How do you feel? The same. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. What was your favorite thing about your birthday? I just liked hanging out. It was very chill. Yeah. I liked getting brunch. Mm-hmm. We got brunch. Yep. And it was nice. In a camper. It was in a camper? Yes. Yes. It had the original shag rug. <laughs> yeah, we were like speculating what it, what has happened on People this People have probably died rug. in there. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, yeah. We don't know, but it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. So would go back. Paradise Park in Wicker Park. That's what sponsored us. Is. It was good food though. It was good. Nice. Ten ten. What about you? I am finally taking PTO yes. for the first time since December. And I am so ready for it. I am so yes. well, let me tell you, I am so burnt out and it I I don't even know. It's I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to read any emails. I don't want to, like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just so excited to do nothing. I'm excited for you, too. Thank you. And clean my room. I really need to clean my room. Yeah. Like, once and for all. We'll see. TBD. Okay. One thing at a time. Maybe I'll read. Maybe I'll paint. Maybe I'll sleep for three days. I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. You know? I don't want to sleep my whole time. That'd be kind (laughs) of sad. But 
think I need it. Yeah, your body needs it. It's a predicament, but it's all good. All right. Do you want to go ahead and tell me about murder and like crime and stuff? It's Christmas Eve. Oh, no. <laughs> Surprise. Christmas in July. Oh, haha. Haha. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. It's, oh. it's Christmas Eve um, 2010. Okay. Okay. And there's this guy named John Wheeler the Third. Okay. But he goes by Jack. Okay. And he's a 66-year-old consultant mm. for a defense contracting firm. Okay. With the federal government called Mitre Corporation. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it, I'm going to go with okay. it. And they specialize in R&D at all levels of government in topics like AI, quantum information science, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> they manage the simulation we're in. Right. <laughs> essentially. Space security. Again, whatever that means. I didn't know that we needed. <laughs> I is think the, it's is like, that where our military's going? I think it's like military satellites and stuff. Okay. Um, aliens. Economic expertise. Yeah, it's probably aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Something called trustworthy autonomy. Again, what, what is I, that? I don't know. I don't know. Trustworthy um, autonomy. <laughs> That it where it, this he he works for the simulation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and cybersecurity. Okay. So he he worked for specifically for their cybersecurity division. Okay. The so there's a lot of branches, and he didn't. Yes. Okay, got it. Yes. Hmm. I assume the cybersecurity is like related to everything else, but you know what? I I have no idea. TBD and probably not. Yeah. BD. <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve and happy birthday jesus yes happy birthday and jack had taken the train from washington dc where he was working to new york to spend christmas with his family okay he had a wife kathy and twins john and Catherine, from his first marriage and kathy had two daughters his stepdaughters bird and merriweather from her first marriage but did they pick random things they saw when they were naming their children? <laughs> the weather is fine today. <laughs> That's a bird. Let's name her Merryweather. I actually kind of like the name Merryweather. I sure. wonder if it's like a family name or something. Wasn't that I the name know. of one of Sleeping Beauty's like fairy godmothers? I have no idea. Like in the but I believe you. Maybe. So they all spend Christmas together, and it's nice. Jack is in a good mood. Everyone has a good time. It's Christmas. Right. There's that feeling in your heart, and it's probably heartburn, but some people <laughs> might think it. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's, you know, the Christmas spirit. Right. Yeah. But then Jack was like, oh, I have to go back to D.C. to work. On Christmas? Like, soon after Christmas. Oh, okay, okay. And Kathy, his wife, was a little upset with him because they usually spend family time together. Mm -hmm. after christmas and they have this tradition where they'll go and watch all the movies they missed Aww. and everything after Cute. christmas which i think is nice yeah but jack was like no like i can't like i gotta i gotta peace out duty calls so he hops on the amtrak to he, dc and he eats on over yeah he eats he eats to dc the morning of december 28th okay I'm like 90% sure it was December 28th. There was like one article that said December 26th. So we'll say the 27th and call it even. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll just stick with the 28th. Okay. 
If that didn't happen, then I apologize. All right. So the next day, Kathy tries to call Jack and he doesn't answer his phone. Oh, no. Which is unusual for him since he's always on his phone working. See, I love how it, they always are like, oh, that's so weird. But for me, it'd be like, eh. Right. <laughs> I, I do not ever answer my phone. <laughs> me, me neither. But Kathy wasn't like super worried or anything because he's also like traveling a lot and whatever. And she figured, you know, she'll be able to reach him eventually. So Jack and Kathy even had plans to attend a cousin's wedding on New Year's Eve, which Cute. was coming up. But she still couldn't reach him. Oh. So she went without him oh well that's a red f- like i well, i don't i mean what are you gonna do i guess i it, it no that is a red flag like, for sure it's one thing to just be like oh he didn't answer but to go to an event like yeah. after multiple days that's weird it's a little weird that's very that's, but a, that's a lot of weird i think yeah yeah what do i know i don't know their dynamic though you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't know their marriage i wasn't there right on the morning of New Year's Eve, December 31st, there was a garbage man named Mike Grabowski. Hi, Mike. He's doing his job. He's picking up trash, and he dumps his trash load into the Cherry Island landfill in Wilmington, Delaware. It's around 9 in the morning, and as he's driving away to go pick up another route, Mike gets a call from the supervisors at the landfill, and they're like, Mike, you got to come back. Like, they found a body in the landfill. Oh, no. It was in the garbage he dumped. Yeah, no. Two. Eh. Uh, one of the spotters who keeps an eye out for hazardous waste spotted it. Can you imagine having that as your job? No. Watching trash all day? No, but I appreciate the people who do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Forky. Right. <laughs> I am trash. Trash. So the spotter spotted the body. As it, the garbage is being dumped. Oh, that's that's horrible. I know. I like that's. Gosh, I can't imagine. So Mike goes back and he sees the body there. It's an older white man wearing black pants, a white shirt with some t- sort of like black garment on his torso, and they covered up the body while they waited for the police. And once they the police got there, they were able to identify him. It was Jack Wheeler. Oh. And to clarify, um, his wife, Kathy, didn't find out until two days later. Like, she wasn't told. So that's why she went to the wedding without him, even though his body was found that morning. Oh. So she didn't, it's not like she knew and then went to the wedding. It was like she didn't find out till later. So, just so you know. So it's important to understand Jack Wheeler's life and career trajectory up to this point. He was born in Texas. Yeehaw. In December 1944. His name is actually John Wheeler III. I think I mentioned that he, his name is John. Mm-hmm. But he goes by Jack. He had a younger brother also named John. Which is a little weird. I guess um, when you have a family name. Yeah. And Bird every, and... Everyone's John. Just, they ran um, out of ideas. John. John. Bird. <laughs> exactly. And his younger sister is named Janet. And their mom's name was Janet. So, like, anyway, they had a J thing going on. Did they think it cost money to, like, <laughs> use different names? Like, maybe. You already have a name. We're going <laughs> to... This one's perfectly good. I, I don't know. I guess it's a strong family tradition. A hand-me-down. Yeah. He, he was part of a military family. Okay. 
His ancestor, Joseph Wheeler, was a Confederate general. Okay. And so the rest of his family sort of followed in the footsteps of joining the military. Jack went to West Point and graduated in 1966. After that, he worked on a military base for a year, and then he went to Harvard Business School. Wow. And he worked for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. After that, he went to Vietnam, and but he wasn't in a fighting role. Mm. I don't know what his role is, though. And then he worked at the Pentagon. He worked for Amtrak. He went to Yale Law School and became a lawyer. God, what does he not do? I like, know. Both privately and for the federal government. He was heavily involved in governmental affairs. He worked under three different presidential administrations. Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush. He was the special assistant to the Secretary of the Air Force. He was special counsel to the Chairman and Secretary of Securities and Exchange Commission. He was part of George H.W. Bush's transition team. So, I he mean... He knew some shit, He sure. was like... He was... This man was busy. This man... <laughs> I am very busy. ...was so busy. He helped establish the Earth Conservation Corps, which I didn't know was a thing, but... Oh. He was president and CEO of the Deafness Research Foundation. He wasn't deaf. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, that role. He researched that. <laughs> he was a consultant to the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition Technology and Logistics and etc. I was, made a grilled cheese once. <laughs> it was pretty tasty. I know, right? It's like, okay. dang, this resume. He was, also, right. he was also chairman and CEO of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Wow. And he was CEO of the Vietnam Children's Fund. But was he proficient in Excel? <laughs> Honestly, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's hired. It's fine. Um, he was also chairman of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, which was the group that built the Vietnam Veterans Memorial mm -hmm. in D.C., well, he uh, seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah. He was instrumental to that memorial. Jan Scruggs, who was also part of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, said that um, Jack was instrumental to the building of this memorial. And yeah, he was just known as having an intense zest for life and wanted to focus on causes that helped people. He put a ton of energy into everything he did. Sounds like it. Yeah. And he was also, according to his family, a really good guy. He had a good sense of humor. He liked cheesy jokes. Aww. He had a really big heart. And yeah, they really loved him. No. Why, yeah. why do the good people have to die? I know. It's, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Jack also had bipolar disorder, mm. which could which was challenging obviously for sure. him um made his work a lot more difficult and but it was also for him kind of a blessing at the same time because he he could get kind of i don't know i guess manic but it gave him a lot of i don't know if i want to say energy but like well it, they tend to be ambitious and mm -hmm. go getters like the, it's not necessarily the manic isn't always a bad thing but right sometimes it just gives you a lot of confidence exactly so it also helped him in his career yeah 
But according to his wife, Kathy, his bipolar disorder was pretty well managed. So it wasn't like something that where he was often in states that were, you know. High and low. Um, he, he had a handle on it. Right. He had a handle on it. So back to the landfill, unfortunately. It was very difficult to search for evidence in a landfill. Sure. Can't imagine why. No. And any evidence they found could be contaminated by trash. So the police ultimately didn't find anything significant around him. Jack and Kathy had a house in Newcastle City, Delaware, which was six miles south of the landfill. And it's like a cute little historic town founded in 1640. Wow. Really really old. It's older than our nation. Yeah, like a lot older. And so the police in Wilmington called the police in Newcastle City to let them know, like, hey, like, you know, we have this, we found this guy's body. Mm-hmm. He lives there. And the Newcastle City police were like, oh, that's funny you call because we're on our way to his house. Someone reported that there had been a burglary oh. in his house. Oh, no. And it was Jack's next door neighbor, Robert, who sort of watched over the house because Jack wasn't there a ton. Okay. Because they had like multiple houses. <laughs> That's okay. nice. Right. And so Robert had noticed that the second floor rear window was open hmm. and he was like, hmm, that looks unusual. A little sus. So he went over into the house and the storm door was closed, but the actual door was slightly ajar. And he went into the kitchen and it was like, like a tornado had gone through. Oh dear. Stuff was everywhere. There was like had a tree that in a pot. I would think so. Yeah. And it was they t- built an entire house around this <laughs> tree. around the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was knocked down. <laughs> no, it was in a pot. It was tipped over. There were jars of spices everywhere. Oh, what like, are they going to find <laughs> on the table, on the floor, everywhere? There were broken dishes in the sink. A zesty burglary. Yes. There was white powder on the floor. Cocaine. Um. No, Flower. well, they think it was Comet, like the cleaning oh, okay. powder. And then there was a bear footprint in the a Comet. A bear? Yeah. Oh, I thought... Oh, oh like an animal. <laughs> uh, that is a plot twist. <laughs> we, we solved the case. A bear ate him. <laughs> and then digested him in perfect form. Yeah, and put him in a landfill. <laughs> like a bear foot, not like a... Not like an animal. <laughs> a bare human footprint. <laughs> okay, gosh. Uh, it's okay. That would have been a lot more interesting. That, that would have taken this to a whole new level. Oh, my God. I don't even know. The government has bears working for them. Exactly. Or they had a pet bear. I don't know. I don't know what rich people do. Bears are cute, but yeah, I wouldn't want one as a pet. No. Just saying. I'll keep to my teddy bear. Thank you. Yes, thank you. There was also a book that was open on the kitchen counter, which is called The Long Gray Line. It's by a reporter named Rick Atkinson, and it was about West Point's class of 1966. And so Wheeler was part of that. Weird. Yeah. So Robert saw this and was like, oh my God, someone broke in, and he called the police. And at the same time, there was another investigation going on across the street because a few days beforehand, someone had set off smoke bombs in this house. And it was like, it was 
a house that was being built. It was like a construction site. Mm. And the police found Jack's phone there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my. And I'll get into that a little later. Okay. But the FBI was called at this point because Wheeler was a really important person. Well, yeah. And, VIP, for yes, sure. Yes. And all of his political connections and everything. And there were like 10 different government agencies working on this. Like, it was, there was a lot going on. So here is what investigators were able to piece together in terms of a timeline. Okay. So as I mentioned before, Jack leaves New York where he was spending Christmas with his family and gets to D.C. on December 28th. And he spends the day working in D.C. And then he gets back on the train and goes to Newcastle where they have their house. And he arrives there around 5.30 p.m. And then that night, there's the smoke bomb thing that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So Jack was in a legal dispute with the people who were building that house because they were building it in Battery Park, which was this really historic public park. And they were building this, like, private residence in Jack like hated that he hated it i would too he was like really upset about it and very passionate about it so he was i think actually taking legal action against them but had not been very successful in deterring them from building the house well you would think with that many connections to like aliens and stuff he would be able to but what pull some strings get him yeah teleported somewhere else (laughs) teleport the house elsewhere so then The next day after he gets to Newcastle and there's this smoke bomb incident, on December 29th, Jack emailed his job, his current (laughs) current job, MITRE Corporation, and he said in the email, someone broke into my house, I lost my wallet, my badge, my key fob, and my briefcase, which he said contained his cell phone, which, of course, was vital for him, but even though we later learned that his cell phone was actually in the construction site across the street. But the weird thing is he doesn't tell the police or Kathy about the break-in. He doesn't report it at all. He Mm. just emails his employer. And he also emailed his therapist that morning saying he felt, quote, dazed, boxed in a corner um, because he had a fight with his wife. Yeah. It may have been regarding the fact that he left yeah so soon i'm sure and so since jack didn't have his phone from this point they only have witness sightings and surveillance footage Hmm. so that night around 6 p.m jack visits a local pharmacy in newcastle and he asks the pharmacist for a ride to wilmington delaware and he he in the footage he looks just like normal like you know yeah like business as usual yeah nothing unusual really apparently a couple people in the pharmacy overheard him and offered to take him to wilmington or to call him a cab and the police think he wanted to get to wilmington because his car was parked at the amtrak station there Mm. what nice like pedestrians i know right just be Like, like oh sir i could like Right. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, if I were talking to, and someone offered me a ride, I'd be like, absolutely not. I know. Well, so, it's a, yeah, it's a little weird. He does get a ride into Wilmington, 
So around 6.42, he's in the Newcastle County Courthouse parking garage looking for his car, but he's in the wrong garage. And it's important to know that Jack had absolutely no sense of direction at all (laughs) and got lost very, very easily, which I can relate to. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I also have no sense of direction. Apparently, he was known for taking taxis home from work because he forgot where he parked his car. (laughs) Okay. So that's like a whole other level of like... Right. Really... Disoriented. Really disoriented, yeah. I guess he was just like very busy and he just like... Right. Forgot. I don't... I don't know. How was I supposed to know it was... I don't know. I don't know. He he was a very busy man. I'll let it slide. Yeah. So he's talking to the attendant at the parking garage and this is caught on camera too. But he looks, like, really different than he did at the pharmacy. He's, like, very distressed and agitated. He's upset. He's waving his arms around. He only has one shoe on. He's holding (laughs) the other shoe in his left hand. Um, It may or may not have been ripped, his shoe. Okay. And he's kind of, like, looking around. Kind of like he thinks someone's following him or something. Someone probably was. And so, but it's weird because it's, like, no one really knows what happened. Between then. Between then. So, like... Yeah, who drove him or how did he get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And he tells the attendant in the garage that his parking ticket was in his briefcase, which was stolen. The attendant is like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, how is your briefcase stolen? And he couldn't give any details. He just kept saying, like, it was stolen. My briefcase was stolen. And he also kept assuring her that he wasn't drunk. So, which is kind of interesting because it's like you would have to be acting in a certain way to for someone to think that you were, you right, know. Yeah. So he was he was just acting really erratically. And that's the question: was was he? Did he have some kind of mental break? Uh, was he running from someone at this time? No one really knows. Hmm. So the next time he's picked up on camera is twenty hours later. The next day, December thirtieth. In a building called the Nemours Building in downtown Wilmington. It's an office building. And investigators think that Jack spent the night in the basement there. Oh. And, yeah. They don't know exactly where. Some employees said that they saw something in a stairwell that may have been where someone would sleep, but they couldn't confirm that. And, yeah. So they think he spent the night in the basement. That afternoon, he showed up at a law firm that I think was in this office building. Oh. And he wanted to talk to one of the lawyers there. But he was at the wrong law firm. Like, he, he one of his lawyers had a similar name to one of the lawyers in this oh. law firm. So he was in the wrong building or, like, the wrong office. Right building, wrong office. Yeah. So someone saw him there and, but before he could like get anywhere with them, he left the law office. Okay. So no one knows like what else he was doing in the building or why he slept in the basement. He was later then caught on camera again, wandering around outside. He was wearing a black sweatshirt. Okay. Which was. Where did he get that? I no idea. Okay. It's not something he was known to wear. Right. So it's, he acquired it somehow. Okay. He exited the building around 8.30 p.m. So he spent almost all day, actually like the entire day in the building. Weird. 
But he didn't find the lawyer he was looking for. No. How big was this building? I have no idea. Okay. I think it's a pretty big building. I would say. But I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I've never not been like to it matters, Delaware. <laughs> I mean, um, I haven't either. Have I? No. No, I have not. Okay. So. It's a state I forget about. I know. It's so small. I just, it's like, I never, state. I don't know. I know the capital is Dover. Really? I didn't even know that. Okay. Well, there you well, go. There you now go. you learned something. Isn't uh, Joe Biden from Delaware? Is he? I feel like that's accurate. Mm, he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well. But but he represented Delaware in the Senate. Ah, uh, that's okay. 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 Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Delaware. So Jack is wearing a hoodie. Which is weird. And then he walks in front of a building which is home to the Hotel DuPont in Wilmington. That sounds familiar. DuPont is the chemical. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> okay. Unrelated, I think, but maybe not. I have no idea. Anyway, so that's the last time he's caught on a camera oh. alive. And then the next morning he's found in the landfill. Oh, no. Investigators determined that the trash around his body was from the city of Newark, and they looked into a few different dumpsters they thought it could have been, and they swabbed them, and in one of them, they found a partial DNA match for Jack. That is wild I to know. me. It's like, what are the dumpsters chances? Are, there's you know, a lot of dumpsters. Yeah, and they're and all filled with... There's so much stuff Stuff. yeah yeah it's it's amazing that they we've come a long way if this was like 30 years earlier it would have been like well yeah well we don't know yeah yeah so what was weird is that so the dumpster that he his body was in was in newark which is 14 miles away from wilmington where he was last seen on camera okay and according to his wife, Kathy, Jack doesn't have any sort of connection to Newark. He would have no reason to be there. They have no idea. He didn't have a car. They have no idea how he got there. There was one witness that said they saw Jack in a taxi around 11 p.m. How do you pay for and, it? I don't know. And shared the cab with them um, when he heard it was going to New York. But like you said, he had no wallet. So, and also, it it might not have been him, you know. Weird. The garbage truck driver said it was common for people, actually, to climb into the dumpsters to sleep or warm up in the winter because it was, like, really cold at that time. I know. And they called them hollers because when you pick up the dumpster, they'll, like, pop out and yell. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah. So, there's a, a theory that... Jack was wandering around and crawled in one to stay warm. But his family's like, what? Like, no. That's not, that is not John the third. No. Exactly. And so I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but he, his injuries were consistent with being badly beaten. Yeah. No, I didn't hear anything about his injuries. Yeah. No, sorry. I, I didn't mention that. Okay. I failed to mention that. It's okay. So yeah, that was... His cause of death was blunt force trauma. So, like, the head or... Yeah, he had head trauma and, like, one of his lungs was punctured. And he had, like, really bad bruising all over his body and his face. So, he was, like, really badly beaten. And it was declared a homicide. Okay. And so, that's 
what caused this whole investigation. But that's where it ended because no one knows what happened to him or who did it. There's been no leads, no tips. What? It's been 11 years. Jeez. Yeah. Oh. It's really sad. That's so sad. However, there are a bunch of theories. Okay, let's hear them. Um, Aliens. <laughs> actually, no. That the government. Them. He knew something. He knew he sh- something he shouldn't have. Yeah. Been. He saw a, like, he accidentally walked in the wrong parking garage and saw a cult murder happen. Oh. And he's like, mm, my ride's here. And then they're like, no, no, I don't know. I'm just spitballing you, here. I mean, I think you I never know. It. You never, like, anything's possible at this point. I don't know. So, one theory is that it's related to the smoke bomb incident at the construction site. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, he was in this housing dispute with these people who were building the house. And he was very intense about this. And this theory says that Jack actually went and set off the smoke bombs. Hmm. And then he went back to his house and when he gets there, he's like, oh, shoot, I don't have my phone. Mm. And he's like, oh, my gosh, it must be at the construction site, but I can't go back and get it because they'll see me. And then he, like, gets really upset, freaks out, flies into a panicked rage and, like, just starts destroying stuff at his house. Oh. Now, that doesn't explain his murder. No. um, Unless someone involved with the building of this house i don't know put a hit on him or something that but that's a little like a extreme of, yeah yeah but what do i know people are crazy that's true another theory is that it was a random robbery or mm-hmm. mugging because mm-hmm. he was kind of wandering around at night but putting him in a landfill isn't really consistent with a random attack putting him like in a trash can though I mean, maybe, but I like, like that would be... I feel like if you kill someone during an incident like that, you just run away. But maybe not. I don't know. However, right when they found his body, he had cash on him. Oh. He was wearing a Rolex and <laughs> okay, his West Point ring, which is I think has like a diamond or something in it. So, so it was not a burglary. So probably not a robbery. A really bad burglar, if it was. Yeah. But he still is like tie clip. It was like, woo. Right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I did it. Oh, man. In 2017, his wife, Kathy, told the Washington Post that she thinks he might have, quote, pissed someone off. Mm. And it seems like he was trying to stay out of sight because someone might have been following him. Mm, Okay. And, but she also told the Washington Post that she thought Jack might have set off the smoke bombs. And that he might have been experiencing a bipolar episode at the time. Which, like, doesn't mean that someone didn't kill him. Like, he could could have been experiencing a bipolar episode, but then also had been murdered. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't give yourself blunt force trauma or puncture a lung when you're having a bipolar episode. Unless you, like, fall downstairs into a trash can. Right. That would be impressive. That would be... Yeah, like, that would be one in a million chance. When in one of those like staircases in those like tall apartment buildings and fell down all of them and landed in a trash can. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that's likely. 
Apparently, there are receipts from the time that showed he had purchased black clothing and a ski mask. Oh. Which is likely related to the smoke bomb incident. I don't know if he, like, wore a ski mask. Maybe. I don't know. He's like, I've seen crime movies. Right. This is what they do. Again, his wife has said she thinks it was, like, a hit job. Sure. And so they, her family offered a reward, like, a really hefty reward for information, and no one came forward. And she thinks it's because they've already been paid. Um, she said the way they disposed of his body, it sounds like a pro. Yeah. To her. Which it was clean. Which makes sense to me. Because it, it is amazing that they even found him. Right. No, that is, like, a... A miracle. Yeah. One, okay, so these theories, you know, some are some are probably little, more little likely than others. One says that Jack was going to be a whistleblower oh. and expose the U.S. dumping of chemical weapons. And so the U.S. government had him taken out. That doesn't surprise, like I'm not. Yeah, honestly, that's not that wild. I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, it's it's probably not the first thing people jump to, but like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, me neither. I'm disappointed, but not surprised. There's also a theory that since he was working on cybersecurity, that he was murdered by the Chinese. Okay. Because he had secrets on America's cyber warfare capabilities. Oh. And... Yeah, like I said, his he said his briefcase was stolen, so if someone wanted access to documents or access to his office or something. What if he had his, be... like, password on a sticky note in his oh briefcase? He's like, oh, no. Honestly, like, I feel like I would do that. I would do that for sure. Again, there's the theory that he climbed in the dumpster himself and was killed by being dumped in the trash truck. There was, like, a rat family that lived there and beat him up because they're like, get out of my house. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm spitballing really weird things tonight, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, one of the articles I read on this, someone commented that their dad was a garbage man, and this person, like, 100% believed that Jack could have been crushed by the garbage truck compactor. Mm, okay. Which would maybe give him those sorts of injuries sure that's i guess plausible so it could have been an accident which would also be really sad i mean either way i mean yeah no matter what actually happened it's it's very sad very sad another theory is that he was in a car accident that he was hit by a car when he was walking somewhere Mm. maybe he stepped into traffic he was wearing dark clothes which would have made him hard to see and the driver could have panicked and thrown him in the dumpster. I will say, sometimes people are hit by cars when they aren't hard to see. Anyway. <laughs> are you speaking from experience? I might be. Go on. Uh, another theory is that he jumped from a moving car. Oh. So on the 40-minute ride, like car ride that he took, allegedly, I mean, assuming he took a car, which is the most likely assumption... Um, it's that he had to jump out of the car to escape or something, and that it would explain, like, his shoe and why he was so worked up, mm-hmm. maybe. A little scuffled. 
yeah. This other person who commented on one of these articles thinks he was murdered by the Russians. Okay. Who stole his briefcase and wanted to keep that a secret. One other thing related to the construction dispute. Apparently, Jack was interested in hacking. He likes to hack. And yeah, and he tried to hack someone involved in the construction project like a few days beforehand. So yeah, he could have been targeted maybe for that. I don't know. One article I read said that, so most of this information I got from an Unsolved Mysteries episode Mm -hmm. on Netflix. It's the first episode. And there was an article that's like, what was left out of this episode? One person says he had a heart attack in addition to all this stuff, but I haven't seen that anywhere else. Okay. So I saw that like the investigators were theorizing before they did an autopsy that he may have had a heart attack, but I, I don't know. I I didn't see that confirmed anywhere. But was the autopsy just the head force trauma and the punctured lung, or was it like internal bleeding, or or was there anything else they found? I couldn't tell you everything they found, but it was all pretty consistent with like being injuries. Sure beaten up and stuff he had like bleeding in his head and um yeah everything was yeah i just broken ribs stuff like that ouch yeah yeah his stepdaughter also doesn't think it's random she thinks he was a hit was put on him but again no one knows the family is still offering a reward for tips or leads and Delaware Crime Stoppers is also offering a cash reward. You can call 1-800-TIP-3333 or go to DelawareCrimestoppers.com or Unsolved.com to provide tips. Now, Jack was cremated and interred at Arlington National Cemetery on April 29th, 2011. And, again, there's no leads, no new info. His wife, Kathy, is really frustrated with law enforcement. She said in one article that, quote, the cops just made our lives miserable. They didn't really communicate very well with her, she said. And um, she said that they confiscated some of her credit cards and there ended up being mystery charges on her credit cards. Those bitches. They probably knew something. Excuse me? And stuff like that. Okay. I mean, it's one thing to go get a McChicken, but it's another right. thing to get a McFlight. <laughs> to Spain, apparently. <laughs> to McSpain. <laughs> to McSpain. <laughs> yeah. Also, apparently, his family heard about his cause of death from the news. Oh, and the no. They're not supposed to do that. The police hadn't told them yet. Oh, no. Um, Dude. And another note is they never found his briefcase. Hmm. So. Interesting. If that ever shows up, I'm sure that will provide some answers. I don't think it will, sadly. Me neither. It's been 11 years. Um, And uh, one more thing is that, so when he was in the parking garage appearing like agitated and everything, mm-hmm. a lot of people were you know, saw that footage and we're like, wow, something's really wrong here. 
And at times, his wife, Kathy, said it looked like he was being followed or something. But she said after she watched these videos of him in the parking garage, it looked kind of normal to her. And she said, quote, he was disoriented every day in his life. Oh, same. He couldn't walk from here to CVS without specifically drawn maps. He was probably definitely lost, she said. So terrible. She said he didn't always respond to social cues. He couldn't, like, read faces or gauge other people's reactions. So that could have also contributed to him being agitated when he was interacting with the garage attendant. Sure. And the shoe thing, she said he didn't care about clothes. Okay. He was oblivious. And she she didn't think that footage was out of the ordinary for him. Oh, yeah. That's just Jack. (laughs) Being Jack. Yeah. Another thing is that a neighbor said that apparently in the few days before his murder, Jack's television was like blaring at all hours. That's weird. Which was unusual. So yeah, that's the unsolved murder of Jack Wheeler. That's very sad. Uh, My heart goes out to his family and I'm sure they know. The thing about this is there's someone who knows something. Right. That's why I don't like unsolved cases. It's just so, there's so many more questions than there are answers. Exactly. I just want to know what happened. I think like the government was involved. I don't know. Really? I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Like he knows so much and maybe Mm -hmm. he was going to be a whistleblower. I mean, that's just me and the nature of like what we research. I automatically am like, oh, it's, it's the government. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they could definitely cover it up. I don't think it was like to. the house people. I feel like that'd be way too. Yeah, that's taking extreme. it way too far. But yeah, what do I know? Maybe he wrote like a main blog post about them. Maybe it was the Russians. Maybe it was the Russian aliens. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the Russian aliens. <laughs> the rat family in the dumpster. The rat family. I don't know. <laughs> okay well either way it's tragic and i'm yes that's very sad it is okay very sad so there's some people in life that look for a more simple way of living you know they cut off from the mainstream they go get off the grid become one with nature that sort of thing Mm -hmm. a lot of the times Elizabeth and I will look up cheap Nordic houses <laughs> and we say that someday we will move to Sweden and yeah, live on a sheep farm. I don't know. Or next to fjord. Yes, something. I would love that. Oh my God, it's not. I want to. We can set up a podcast studio in the barn. I know. They're only like $30,000. I know. We could do it. We could do it. We could do it. Don't, uh, don't stop me. Don't tempt me. I'm very <laughs> impulsive. <laughs> For the Jameson family, they were seeking that simple life. Bobby Dale and Sherilyn met in 2002, and Sherilyn said she knew he was the one for her, and it was love at first sight. After a few years of dating, they got married and eventually had a daughter named Madison Stormy Star. Like, her middle name was Stormy Star. Oh, okay. Mm. The family lived in Ofala, Oklahoma, and they lived a pretty normal life. They were pretty private people, 
but they were pretty spiritual and they loved nature. In 2003, Bobby had gotten into an automobile accident and he had a bad back injury causing chronic pain, resulting in him not being able to work. So he took prescribed painkillers and received disability checks, but this actually caused him to be depressed. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. And then Sherilyn also had a disability. I'm not sure what exactly for. It was known that she was being treated for bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. and her family and friends said that she wasn't necessarily great about taking her medications regularly. Regular. Mm. I always have trouble with that word. She wasn't great about taking her medications on a regular basis or, you know, when she started to feel better, she then wouldn't take it, which is what you're not supposed to do at all. Right, right. I'm not saying that her disability was her bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. but she was being treated for it. It's not like they Got were it. saying, oh, she was bipolar. No, like she mm-hmm. actually had a disorder she was seeing help for. Yeah. Because of this, it did cause some strange in their relationship, but they still loved each other and their daughter very much. I mean, every marriage has struggles, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they had challenges. In 2009, they decided to sort of hit reset and they wanted to live in a different area closer to nature. So they sought out a 40-acre plot of land in the San Bois mountain range. They found a listing online and thought it would be great to get away from it all. Uh, They can work on their relationship, kind of get away from, I guess, the city life. It wasn't a huge city, but like Mm -hmm. the suburban. Like they, they really liked nature and they were very connected spiritually to yeah, that sort of, of thing. So it's like, why not? You know, and they weren't working. They're in disability. So I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's not like they were tied down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. And they needed to fulfill their free spirited life. And they thought they would live in a storage container on this new land, which is, I guess, pretty trendy. Yeah. I don't think it was because they were being trendy. I think they're just like, let's live in a storage container. Okay. But. I, ca- I cannot confirm nor deny, but they were planning on living on a storage locker or the original, container. the OG. They were they they were cool before it was cool. Yeah. You know. So on Friday, October eighth, two thousand nine, the family loaded up their truck and all of all three of them with their dog went off to scope it out. So this new area was a lot more off the grid. A very small community, I think, like the 2010 census said it was 237 people. Oh, my gosh. So very small. 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 S-M-O-L. There's a difference. It's small. Small. (laughs) People, if you wanted electricity, you needed a generator. Like they, These people in this area lived more off the land, all that jazz. In, In a documentary I watched, like, it was... TBD if like people had plumbing or not like you know it was very off the grid okay but that's what they wanted so you know like good on them and then a man in the area said he saw the family's truck driving by that day I think he lived on the land that was like being sold or a certain part of it so he confirmed that they were there eight days later on October 16th however 
Hunters found the family truck parked on a hilltop oh, no. off a dirt road in Lanamer County, an hour away from their home in Ufala. The car was abandoned. It was still locked, but the family was nowhere to be found. However, their dog, Maisie, was found inside. She was very malnourished, but she did survive. Oh, so she had gone, Maisie. you know, those eight days without any food or anything. Oh, my gosh. But she did. Maisie made a full recovery, so she's oh, a good Maisie. girl. I'm proud of you. The hunters called the sheriff, who arrived, broke the window open, saved the dog, and that was it. No. Um, that's and, the story. And that's the story. <laughs> they saved the dog. That's all you need to know. Okay. And they looked through the car to try to figure out what was going on, but they there was no signs of any foul play, like, and everything of their belongings were still in the car. So they found wow. Bobby and Sherilyn's wallet and their IDs. Sherilyn's purse, all their jackets, their cell phones, GPS. And then they also found a bank bag stuffed between the driver's seat containing $32,000 <gasps> in cash. Oh, my God. So right away, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> things are, this is creeping me out already. Things are pretty odd and a lot of, you know, red flags that's a, a big red flag. that's a big there's <laughs> flags and some of them are small and some of them are big this is like the the, the mega the ones that they play at stadiums that they yeah. like need a hundred people oh, jesus christ what was that gunshot or firework it kind of sounded like a gunshot it kind of did <sighs> okay welcome to chicago no Unfortunately, well, it, it, that's either a good or a bad thing. We are witnesses. Oh my god! Maybe okay. our microphones will pick up. No, okay. Um, okay. God, Ooh. I hope well, not. Well, I hope everyone's okay. Yeah. Maybe it was Gosh. a firework. Maybe it was a firework. <laughs> you never I don't know. know. You never know. Um, geez, kind of sounded like a gunshot, though. I know. Okay. Okay. Not not good because we're talking about this and it. it our doors are locked. It's fine. It's locked. So. Friends and family were obviously shocked. For one thing, both Bobby and Sherilyn were on disability checks, so having $32,000 in cash was really unlikely. Right. Unless they were really good at saving. I mean, they did want to live off the land, so who knows? Mm. But still, I don't have 32000 in cash. Right. I don't even have $32 in cash. <laughs> I have a debit card. Okay, for another thing, it looked as if they were going to return because all of their things were in there. And there, right. like I said, there was no signs of forced entry or struggle. There was no blood. Nothing was broken. And their dog was in the car. And they love their dog. Right. You know? And the sheriff, Israel Buchanan, wrangled up six deputies and they searched the areas thinking maybe they got lost. It's a very wooded area. You know, the terrain is kind of crazy what have you so you might ask why people didn't notice that they were missing sooner right like it's october it's it's not like it, they went on a summer vacation or or what have you why has it been eight days and no one noticed they recently pulled madison out of school to homeschool her because if they wanted mm. to live off the grid they were like okay like yeah she's not going to be enrolled in this school anymore so it's not like the teachers would have flagged anything for another thing both bobby and madison were unemployed mm -hmm. so it's not like they didn't have a, a job to show up to 
And as mentioned earlier, they were somewhat kind of like private. It was normal for them to go periods of time without talking to friends or family or they were known to go like camping and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like super unusual. Additionally, the truck sort of looked like a work truck. It didn't really look like a residential vehicle. It's not like a sedan was there where it would have flagged. It it looked like a Mm -hmm. worker's truck. Um, So if someone in the town saw it, they could have think they could think like, oh, someone was in the area, you know, it could have been like a park ranger. It could have, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't weird, as weird. On Bobby's phone, they found a photo and they were able to use the location, like the GPS of where the photo was taken. And it was about 100 feet away from the truck. And it was a picture of Madison, but the family said the photo looked really off because Madison, she was six years old at the time, and she looked uncomfortable, and her face looked kind of distressed, and her body language was really off. She was, like, crossing her arms in front of her. She looked like she was yelling, and she, she wasn't looking at the camera. She was possibly looking at someone else, which was really strange. And family members said that Madison loved having her picture taken. You know, she would always pose or smile. So this was odd. Mm-hmm. And they don't even know if it was Bobby or Sherilyn that took the photo. Mm. But who's to... I don't really know. I'm going to show you the photo. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's not like... You know, she's screaming in terror, but it does look like she's a little like yeah, it's off a little guard. Unusual. Yeah. It is unusual. Um, but I don't know. But that was like the last picture taken on their phone. Wow. Around the hillside they did find footprints and they identified, you know, smaller footprints, so that could have been Madison. Search efforts were deployed with everything you can think of. It was a huge search. They had four wheelers, they had aircrafts, helicopters people on horses. They had dogs brought out, both cadaver and air scent to try to track wow. them, as well as about 300 volunteers to search. Now, like I said, it is a wooded, secluded area, and it wasn't really easy terrain to search through. So, you know, there are cliffs. It was in a mountainy area. Cadaver dogs were kind of focused on the truck Maybe it was a gunshot. There's a police car. Uh, Not on yeah. our street, though. Anyway. Okay. Um, actually, I don't know if it was a cadaver dog or, like, the scent dog trying mm-hmm. to find them, but a dog was kind of, like, focused on the truck. It's not like it was led anywhere else, but then it did go to a nearby water tank. So the oh, no. sheriffs were like, oh, like, maybe their bodies are in there, but they drained it and searched, and they didn't find any traces. Okay. So after time went by, they searched for months and months, and unfortunately, things ran cold. Oh, my gosh. And over time, search efforts diminished. It wasn't until four years later, on December 16th, 2013, the family was discovered. Oh, my gosh. Hunters had stumbled upon the skeletal remains of two adults and one child, they were face down, laying next to each other in a wooded area. Wow. Their remains were found less than three miles away from where their vehicle was found. 
They uh, investigators also found shoes, clothing fragments, adult teeth, an arm, a leg bone, other bone fragments, and there was also signs of carnivore marks on some of the bones, so oh. animals might have gotten to them a bit. No. Oh. Because of the state of decomposition and everything, they they could not be identified right away. It had it took a couple of months for it, and in July of 2014, it was confirmed that it was the Jamison family. Oh my gosh! They didn't know what caused the death, and because of the state of decomposition, as mentioned, and a medical examiner remarked, "quote." Due to the absence of skin, soft tissue, internal organs, and the remaining skeleton, post-pre-mortem trauma and or natural disease cannot be excluded. So they really had Mm. no idea. The cause of death on the autopsy report was inconclusive, but this was expected because there was not much you could do at that point. It was also mentioned that there was a small hole found in the back of Bobby's skull, which could have been a bullet, but that could not be confirmed as Mm -hmm. well. At the time of the disappearance, Bobby Dale was 44, Sherilyn was 40, and Madison was 6. So what happened to the family? Typically in investigations, the more clues you find, the closer you are to a lead. But in this case, the more clues you found, the more trails opened up. Mm. So here are the theories, and I want to know which one you think is okay. is the cause. So one of them is they got lost and died from natural elements. So based on weather reports, uh, it was rainy around the time. However, the temperature never really dropped below 50 degrees, so it's not enough to really catch hyperthermia. And the rain wasn't heavy enough to where they could have been, like, swept away by something or gotten stuck. I mean, three miles is a pretty long hike. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they were nature <clears throat> They were nature gurus, you know. it's. I mean, I guess nature gurus can get lost, too. But I, I don't know about this one. I think that's pretty unlikely, especially because they left everything in their car. So it, it seems like they were planning on returning right away like maybe they had to pick a bush and use the potty or they just wanted to like sit down and have lunch i don't know yeah why would you leave your phone and stuff in the car why would you leave your dog if you're like gonna go for a walk you know Mm -hmm. i don't know um so i don't think that one is very likely uh for one thing as well the state of the vehicle as i mentioned did not look like they were planning on being gone long their coats were in the car with Maisie and all their things. The next one is it could have been a murder-suicide. As mentioned, the relationship between Bobby and Sherilyn was a bit rocky, and they were sort of looking for a new start in a new area to try to, like, work on their relationship. When investigators were searching the car, another thing that they found was an 11-page handwritten letter written by Sherilyn to Bobby, which was marked to be a hate letter. Oh, my gosh. And it was basically yelling at Bobby about, you know, the state of their marriage and how they might potentially get a divorce. And she, you know, yelled at Bobby for being a hermit 
And because Sherilyn was bipolar and bad about taking her medicine, this could have been potentially written during one of her low periods. Mm. I mean, I'm just kind of speculating here, but like I said, it's extremely dangerous to just stop taking your medicine. So Mm. who knows? Um, It's also possible that the strain on their marriage was really getting to them and one of them snapped was it Sherilyn or or was it Bobby after he read the letter? He's like, oh, what's this? And he's like, well, you think mm. I'm a hermit? Um, apparently in the family home, there was another letter th- that was found that mentioned death several times. Oh. And uh, Sheriff Buchamp said the family was obsessed with death. But like I am too, kind of, you know? <laughs> so hmm. I, I yeah, mean, oh, whatever. I Me too. Their family members also claimed that they loved each other and, you know, all marriages can be bumpy and they would never, ever do anything to harm their daughter. There was also a note that said that Sherilyn did not want her daughter to be motherless and and in foster care, but I don't know what additional context was into Mm. that. So it's hard to say, like, when people are in mental states, you know, I'm I'm not going to speculate or say, like, it was any of their mental disorders or it wasn't, like... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but if like the worst thing you can say about your husband is he's a hermit, maybe right. it's not all bad. I don't know, but I have no idea what happens behind closed doors. But that's another mm-hmm. theory. Uh, not only were they obsessed with death, but they were also interested in witchcraft and the paranormal, hmm. which also same. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh dear. Bobby actually believed they had two to four spirits living. On the roof of their home. On the roof. On the roof of their home. Of that's their what home. that's what it said. So okay. that's what I said. Okay. All right. They live on the roof. They live on the roof and they did not like it. Sherilyn thought that she also had the power to cast out spirits. And one day she bought a satan a satanic Bible. Uh, uh but don't worry, she just like bought it as a joke, but then I guess like Bobby was like, ha ha and then he's like, actually can I see that? And he like started to read it. Hmm. And then Madison started talking to an imaginary friend named Emily. Oh no. Which at six years old is normal. But me as a parent, I would also just be like, no. And her parents thought that Emily was actually like a demonic entity pretending to be a child. But I would think the same thing. I would too. I would too. I would too. Like, you cannot hang out with Emily. Emily doesn't like that. Oh, Oh, no. No, 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 no. 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 (laughs) Um, A pastor actually recalled that Bobby had gone to him and admitted to reading the the satanic bible or the witchcraft manual and he actually asked the priest if he had any special bullets that he could use to shoot the spirits mm, okay which i think is like kind of rude aren't you not supposed to like share what people say in confession but i guess this is like well, a murder case yeah so i think it's maybe a little different there's an exception i don't know but Sherilyn also believed her neighbors were poisoning her cats and Sherilyn did like kind of practice witchcraft like her mm-hmm. and her friends were really into it and but she thought her neighbors were poisoning her cat and in spray paint on a storage container they kept on their property it said witches don't like it when their black cat is killed Ooh, which cryptic. which is very cryptic and one of the family friends said that she kind of did that to 
keep the neighbors like away Mm -hmm. and also to just kind of be like don't mess with me and I like I said they were pretty private so I think she kind of did that to be like haha this is how I get like the neighbors to leave me alone like Mm -hmm. okay whatever works for you I still think it's really creepy the first time I read that it like gave me goosebumps like like that's weird I don't like that Family, friends, and other family members did, however, all agree that their house was haunted. Like, they all got weird feelings there. Oh, my God. Um, One friend said that she saw a gray, like, mist coming down the stairs once. Another friend recalled that Sherilyn said Bobby was acting off, and he was typically a gentle man, but one day his eyes became dead and black, and he, like, came after her. Oh, my God. So she thought he was being possessed. (laughs) there's a lot going on here like every direction police also found surveillance footage of the family loading their truck the day they went missing and both parents go back and forth from the house a total of like over 40 times like 20 times each which is pretty excessive for a day trip Mm -hmm. and the entire time they don't say a word to each other people say that they seemed kind of like they were in a trance and they were acting really weird. Oh my gosh. I will say I did see the footage and I don't really think that there's anything too strange about it. Like mm-hmm. it is strange that they go back and forth so many times, but like the quality isn't that great. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say like, oh, they were in a trance. Yeah. But it's like one second they'd be here and then the next second it's not like you see them walk and it's like bing, bing, bing. oh okay it, it was bad quality you yeah. know so i couldn't even see their face i couldn't tell but it could be people just like after the fact being like i'm sure but like in the documentary they like were focused like oh my god they were acting so weird but i'm just like right. you know like i'm pretty like oh my god this is weird but i didn't think it was that weird, oh, okay you know okay that's, that's just my two cents but i you. tend to be the one that's like oh my god this video freaked me out I'm like that's it. Yeah. But with this footage, though, the police did see that there was two things that they loaded into the car that was never found. One of them was a brown briefcase. It was actually Jack's. Oh, my God. They stole it. We've come full circle. We've, whoa. <laughs> and then the other one was a pistol that Sharon okay. owned. Okay. So both of which, as mentioned, were never found. So regardless of the footage and people saying that they were acting strange, some people believe that they could have been on drugs. Mm. Which brings me to my next theory, which is a drug deal gone wrong. Mm. So this would explain the large amount of cash that they found in the car and the area at the time, I don't know if it's still an issue, but it did have a really big meth problem okay. at the time. But there's no evidence of meth or any sort of legal substance in their home, in their car. Like, there was no history of any of that. Um, and family members said, like, there's no way this could have happened. But I guess, like, family is always like, oh, no, like, my... Yeah. So I don't know. But at the same time, they were really good parents to M- Madison. And I've, I mean, I've never been a parent and I've never been on meth, but I feel like it's really hard to be a good parent when you're on meth. Yeah. Also, why would you bring your daughter to a drug deal? Right. Bring your daughter to work day. Right. Like, no parents 
no good parents would be like, okay, we're going to just like go check out this land. By the way, we have to make a quick stop. Right. Um, I don't know. But it, it's also, I mean, you could also argue that if you are on drugs, you're probably not thinking right. Yeah. As well. That's true. I'm not sure. But I, it's something that can't be completely ruled out. But uh, you just never know. Like maybe they did a one-time thing to kind of get like things back on track or they had connections. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, like who knows. But I think that's pretty likely. It could have been. Um, now, in this area, there was also a lot of cult activity. Oh, no. And they maybe stumbled upon something that they shouldn't have seen. Okay. So there was an article in a 1993 newspaper, the Oklahoman, about cults in the area. And a U.S. marshal stated that, quote, some cults have found a home in eastern Oklahoma, and some are very extreme. So, I mean, in the 80s and 90s, it probably was a lot more active, but that doesn't mean they're not still there. And I mean, if you're in a mountain area, like, right. I don't know, it kind of and it kind of adds up. So there was a, an episode of the family on the investigation discovery show Disappeared, and one of their friends, Nikki, who was interviewed, said that, uh, Sherilyn received a creepy anonymous phone call from a woman saying that she was a previous cult member and she had been a part of the United White Knights. <laughs> and apparently they were out to kill Sherilyn because her name was in a book containing names of people who needed to, quote, be taken care of. Oh. And I guess there were other names in that book, which also turned out to be missing people cases, which is pretty weird because the woman was in the cult and she said she came across this book and she tried to remember as many names as possible. And she tried to like reach out to them and like warn them, I guess, which is really eerie. I hate that. Okay. Apparently as well, there was an abandoned car wreck nearby that people used for shooting practice Mm -hmm. like if it was an abandoned car it became like overgrown and people like to shoot at it and a lot of people also like to write satanic messages on this car nice but Sherilyn would write peace and god loves you and i guess that makes a cult really angry and like is that really enough to make you like a target i don't know but she Mm. was just like look guys i fixed it and then they're like Oh, no. Oh, my God. They also had a man who was previously boarding at their home, so he rented a room from them. And he would sometimes help Bobby around the home because Bobby's back was bad. Try saying that. Bobby's back was bad. And Sherilyn, though, did not vibe well with this man, and she always felt kind of threatened by him, especially when Bobby wasn't home. And then one day, this man got really aggressive and was in her face oh my saying he was a white supremacist uh. and he despises everything about people who aren't white. And he was yelling at Sherilyn for her Native American heritage mm. and he 
like would have no problem like killing anyone who wasn't white jesus christ so she grabbed her gun and told him to gtfo and i guess like that was actually one month before they disappeared oh my gosh that's so scary so the fbi looked into this but the guy had a solid alibi alibi (laughs) oh boy he had an alibi The FBI looked into this man, but he had a solid alibi, so he was cleared. Mm, okay. And his alibi was he was in jail. <laughs> so, okay. So, I mean, he was in jail, but it's not to say that one of his goonies didn't like... His goonies? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, these people are crazy. Now, the reason they had security cameras on their home was because they also had an estranged relationship with Bobby Dean Sr., so Bobby's dad. Mm. They actually had to put a protective order against his dad because on two occasions he threatened to kill Bobby and his family and they were afraid for their lives. Wow. Bobby said that Bobby was... Bobby Jr. said Bobby Sr. was a very dangerous man who thinks he's above the law and is involved with prostitutes, gangs, and meth. Oh, my God. Apparently, he had, like, a a tie to a Mexican drug gang. Great. So, that's good. That's great. They have, like, really a really great community. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, So, Bob Sr. actually died two months after the family went missing, but he was in very poor health. And he would be either living at a hospital or at a rest home. Mm. And Bobby's brother said that although Bobby Sr. was, like, disturbed, he would not be capable of Mm. this. Like, he was in really bad health. Yeah. Like, this is very unlikely. And when he was, like, lashing out, it's probably not because I don't know. I know that Bobby's mom, so Bobby Sr.'s wife, was interviewed and she said, like, yeah, no, I had a divorce. I encouraged them to put up security cameras. But, like, he, this is, like, a theory, but it wasn't Bobby, but it could have been, like, one of Bobby's prostitutes or one of his, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, sex worker. He has, he, he gets associated with sex workers. I'm sorry. The article said prostitute. I'm sorry. They're sex workers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, there are no suspects. Wow. Sheriff Bucamp said, quote, a lot of investigators would love to have this many leads, but all of these leads have many different directions. So there are a lot of theories. I think it's probably a drug deal gone wrong or mm-hmm. maybe they did stumble upon a cult. Mm-hmm. They kind of seemed a little paranoid in their last like couple of days, so maybe they were being followed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also they... One thing I kind of want to, I think they might have joined like the witness protection program. Mm. And I think maybe, I mean, it's common that if you do that, like you leave everything behind, like your IDs, like your old life, like you, Mm -hmm. people who do that will dump everything. Yeah. And it's like kind of a theory that maybe they like helped bust a meth head murder cult. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So maybe. maybe that they, like, worked with someone and then they entered a program. I don't know. That doesn't really explain why they left Maisie behind. Yeah. But I think that's a possibility. Who, yeah, who knows? I don't know. But maybe huh. they were followed in trying to get away. I don't know. 
Wow. There's a lot going on. It's all spooky. The biggest thing for me is the bag of cash. Yeah. Like, what does it mean? Where is it from? Right. Like, were they trying to get away? Was it a drug deal? Were they like... Right. Did they work for the government and they got it, but then the people who weren't arrested killed them? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Wow. That's the thing. Like... What I just said about your case, the unsolved ones are what? We both did unsolved ones this yeah. time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's weird, but um, my heart goes wow. out to the family. I mean, if they didn't fake their deaths and they are indeed past, mm. I hope they are at peace. I hope. Yeah. I don't know. so sad, it, especially the little girl. I know. I'd like to think that they are safe and did witness protection. Mm. I would really like to think that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's oh, that you. one went in a lot of directions. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like you read and it's like, okay, like, yeah, maybe maybe they got lost. And then you're like, okay, murder-suicide. Yeah. Cults. <laughs> There's always a cult. Witchcraft. Yeah. Oh, my. Like paranormal. I was like, it has everything. It has, it has everything. everything. Yeah. Wow. Except answers. <laughs> it's everything we but want answers. answers. We do, indeed. But anyway, that's... um. That one really sticks with me. And yeah. It's really eerie. And it's going to keep me up. Yeah. I have a goose, goosies all over. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And um, our hearts go out to the victims and the victims of their families. Yeah. And if you know anything about any of these, you know, cases, both of them are unsolved. Yeah. If you see something, say Stay something. vigilant. Yep. Uh, yeah. Whoa. These are always so hard to like transition from because it's just so heavy. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Um, we would like to thank the artists that have helped us. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish and music production is by Justin Toom. And our cover art is by Erica Chase. Would you like to tell them where to find us? You can follow us on the socials <laughs> at Twitter, Get Instagram. Chatty facebook and send us an email at the insomnia report at gmail.com give us your suggestions for what we should talk about send your own listener report if you have a story that you'd like to share because we're looking to do a listener episode soon and yeah that's it and if you like our our pod we humbly ask that you share like and subscribe maybe give us a rating of <laughs> uh, five stars if you want but it really does mean the world to us it makes yes, our day um, we love it we love your feedback we do thank you for your feedback i'm margo and i'm elizabeth tune in next week for episode 40 big four oh wow Over wait really pole. yeah 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 dang wow wow wild card episode Ooh. Uh, i don't know what it'll be But the last one I did covered witchcraft, white supremacy, demons, and meth. So I don't know how to talk that. (laughs) But uh, thanks so much for listening. Stay sleepy and spooky. Good night. Good night. Good night.